millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So good evening and welcome to the big match preview. Looking ahead to Saturday's trip to Plymouth. My name is Louis Mendes. I hope you guys are well. Joining me to look ahead to a game that, well, I hope goes ahead. Uh, first up, uh, Mr. Tom Wallin. How are you doing, Tom? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good to speak to you. You boosted? Boosted yesterday, so felt a bit rough today, but uh, obviously all worth it. And yeah, hopefully now better protected, which is good. Yeah, and uh, also join us a man who, well, given his age, must be on his fourth or fifth uh, booster by now. Mark Newby, how do you, Mark? You cheeky bugger. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm boosted to me eyeballs. Thank you very much. Excellent stuff. So, uh, as I say on the, this week's show, we will be looking ahead to the game uh, with Plymouth, which, I mean, if I'm being totally honest, from a from a completely unofficial point of view, I'll be shocked if it goes ahead just based on, on everything that's going around the EFL at the moment. But we are going to uh, preview the game as if it is going ahead. As of Thursday evening, you know, there's no case cases at the club um, so we're going to look ahead to that game we're going to hear from Johnny Jackson just on the the whole issue of Covid uh, and that sort of stuff and then obviously we'll focus more on, on what we're here to talk about the football Jacko's uh, permanent future which is still up in the air as at time of recording although you know as, as we keep hearing uh, assuming it's going to be very close so that gets sorted we'll, we'll look ahead to the game itself we'll hear a bit more from uh, Jason Pierce on our top six uh, hopes we're going to hear from Chris Errington uh, from the Plymouth Herald as well it's the second time we spoke to him in a number of weeks but a very different phone call to the one uh, than the one that we had had uh, just before the last game we played Plymouth. Uh, we're going to hear a little bit from the women's team as well after last night's uh, fantastic 5-0 uh, win at Watford. So, um, I mean, before we delve into the game itself, obviously, as of time of recording, Thursday evening, uh, there's no word on any cases at the club. Um, partly, I think they'll be down to the fact that, as it stands, we don't test uh, as, as a matter of... Uh, uh, of uh, you know, a daily sort of routine, but that will now obviously change with the, the latest uh, murmurings from the EFL. Uh, the latest instructions from the EFL is that now we will start testing. Obviously, we can all see what's going on away from football in, in wider society and, and also what is going on in football. There's been a, a fair whack of games that have been called off today. Um, so we'll see what happens over the next 24 hours, I guess. But as it stands, the game is on. I'm hoping the game is on because, you know, we want one last hurrah uh, before Christmas. And I'm sure plenty of you have got tickets booked uh, and whatnot to get down there to Plymouth. Uh, let's hear from Johnny Jackson then on the on, on the whole situation surrounding the coronavirus in the club. It's a little bit of a concern, isn't it? Just just in general society, obviously, it's ramping up. I think especially in the London area, it seems to be pretty rife. Uh, we've been quite lucky at the minute that we, that we haven't been uh, too badly affected. But obviously, it's something that we're putting mitigations in place now just to try and do everything best practice, really, to try and minimise the risk uh, to, to people's health and obviously try and minimise the uh, chance of games getting called up. So there we go. Jack obviously saying it, it will grow into con- a concern. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be able to avoid that. Um, I mean, Tom, we've seen it around the EFL games getting called off. Um you know, and we're not going to delve into the politics of anything here, but as is the current situation in the country, you know, we're, we're effectively 
open for business we're allowed you know we're allowed to go out and go to the pub and wherever we want to go and there's no such restrictions on the players as such either because how could there be in football when there's not in the world in the world around us so you know we know fully well that our club was was one of pretty much every club in the EFL would have had their Christmas party last week you know they're all down at um, the Winter Wonderland in Hyde Park. Our friend Crispy was there and he's, he was listing off on Sunday all the teams he bumped into. He was texting me saying, I've seen this team, this team. We're pretty much the only one who went to the to the Winter Wonderland who hasn't had their game called off yet. So it's, it's going to be a very interesting 24 hours, unfortunately. Yeah, it is. And, and as you say, hopefully Saturday's game goes ahead, irrespective of whether that does or not. You'd imagine at some point in the next few weeks, a cancellation at least is coming because... As you say, so many teams are having their games postponed now and with the testing, as you say, it's going to identify cases quicker and the EFL have obviously put out their statement today uh, around what games can and can't be called off. And other than that, they're following the government guidance, which, as you say, on the whole at the moment, is is you can carry on. So it's a really difficult one. Obviously, none of us uh, wanted to be back in this situation, but we are. Um, the, the priority at games is the safety of, of the players, the staff, and obviously the fans. You would hope that being in an, an open-air stadium, certainly from a fan perspective, makes it slightly less risky. Uh, and if the players are now being tested and, and cases are identified quickly, you hope that will help as well. But with the speed of, of this new variant, you've seen how much cases are going up, especially in London. And we were just talking off-air, weren't we, about the amount of people we know who've got it now, whereas... Up until this new one, I knew almost no one who'd ever had it. And I think that the only encouraging data that we're seeing at the moment is the speed of it. And you'd imagine that if it can kind of race through people, which it appears to, to be doing already, then hopefully there will be a sense of normality again more quickly than there has been in the past. But as I say, safety and, and protection of people is, is what comes first. So you don't obviously wish it on anybody. So it's going to be a, a, a few weeks where... We're kind of just taking things as it comes. As you say, by the time some people listen to this, for all we know, the Plymouth game might have been called off. But the run we're on, we hope that it's not because we're in a good bit of form at the moment, as you said, beating them relatively recently. So if the game does go ahead, we would hopefully fancy our chances against them. Mm. I mean, we've seen calls today from the likes of Thomas Frank, the Brentford manager, Mark, for you know, a, 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 some sort of a, a clean sweep of, of, of fixtures being just cancelled for a while because, you know, as, as we've said, we're seeing the games dropping left, right and centre, Premier League, EFL, all around the place. Um, and, I mean, it's an argument. I mean, it calls one hell of a, a fixture pile-up and it doesn't seem to be what the Premier League or the EFL were up for at the moment, but it, we just hope it doesn't get to that situation where we have no no choice in the matter. No, it's one of those situations. I mean, the Premier League have been whining about we don't get a Christmas break. All the um, managers say, oh, you know, all the other countries get a Christmas break. Why don't we? And we were saying, you know, it's for the fans and everything. But it's you've got to look at the bigger picture. And if you have to, you know, end up at the end of the season playing three games a week, you play three games a week. It's going to have to be the same for everybody. Um, I think the, the sensible thing to do would do a blanket two-week now and say, right, that's it, you have two weeks to keep your players safe, keep your players, and then you don't have an excuse in like three weeks' time to not play, um, because it's up to you to keep your players under control. I mean, look, they're going to go out, let, let their hair down and mix with people and have their parties and stuff, but it seems to be that kind of thing. A lot of places have stopped those, and you think, so there is a reason 
people haven't gone out and it sounds like right Scrooge is oh you've got to go out and enjoy yourself and oh, it's my freedom to do stuff and you're thinking well this is what's perpetuating it and uh, I think sometimes you know we look at it things from all different angles you know football is very important for all of us and it does help and it helps with your mental health and when we're allowed to go back into the ground it, it's a marvellous thing and it was like a weight release but now I think you know maybe a short sharp shock would would be sufficient and could help and uh you know like i say all the clubs are going to be in the same boat and with um games piling up but that's just how it's going to be that's how to deal with it i mean if they extend the end of the season because i think the world cup is going to be blah, 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 next year in november so you know we'd have to look at that because that's going to stop then for um six weeks so you know if they've worked out how to do that they could do it again now mm, yeah i mean uh, the the calendar is going to be screwed up no matter what happens i guess if, if if we do get forced into this situation that you know none of us want to be in uh, at all especially not not myself i mean tom and mark mentioned about the, the mental health benefits of, of what we've all received and that's been one of the, the big things i've seen on twitter over the last 24 hours obviously with that uh slightly uh sort of contradictory messaging uh, about whether we should go to games or not because I mean the games are wide open and you know I want to go to the game that's the I, I mean even even last year it's like I was one of the lucky few who got to go to games and that definitely you know, having been working from home that that was the only way I managed to get out of the house and, and I, I was lucky about that so I, I see I see it no different this year for all the fans who've been able to go back um, if we do get to a situation where games are called off and we're seeing this uncertainty it's going to it's going to be really tough again and this is where you know, we, we, we're going to need to sort of keep each other's spirits up if, if we're in a situation where we can't go to games or, or, or the uncertainty is becoming too much again for people. Definitely, yeah. And I've seen the same stuff you have on Twitter and I think it's important to distinguish what we're saying from, from what maybe some people think is being said. I don't think we should just be allowed to go to football if there is the risk of, of contracting an illness or, or giving somebody an illness. But that decision has to be made. I think the ambiguous statement of coming out and saying prioritise the right things, which which Chris Whitty did, um, and then that being translated to the article I read today, which was people are being told not to go to football matches. Well, why is it specifically football matches? As Again, I said to you guys off air, I've got tickets for the darts on Monday. The darts is an indoor event in an almost airless room with, you know, people packed to the rafters. I don't understand why nobody has emailed me yet from there to say, eh, maybe you shouldn't come to that. And yet there's articles doing the round saying, don't go to football. Travelling is still the same. Everything else seems the same and football's outdoors. So I find that very, very hard. Obviously, as you say, if they make a decision and football is either cancelled or played behind closed doors, at that point, at least as a community, we can all pull together. As you say, uh, we can look out for each other. Um, but until that point, I just... I think everybody has a responsibility to make their own decision. You know, the majority of people are pretty level-headed and I think can can be responsible enough to make the right call. And if you're triple boosted and you wear a mask and, you know, particularly uh, at the Valley where, you know, we're not selling out every week, if you've got enough space, then you should on the whole be okay. But as I say, we just don't really know enough about this, this current variant and just how quickly it's going through. So... It's a really difficult one. It's changing all the time. Uh, like you, in terms of my mental health, you know, I don't need football, but it's it's not far off a need. You know, it makes a huge difference to 
to my life and, and my weekend and my routine. And if it was to to go away, I would find that very difficult. And I know I'm not alone in that. But if that happens, then we, we pull together and we get each other through it. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's just the period of uncertainty at the moment and the, the ambiguity around what we're being told, I think, that's making it very difficult for people to know what to do because it feels like we're kind of being told you're absolutely fine to go to football, but also maybe don't go. And it's like, well, what is it? What What am I supposed to do here? So yeah, it's tough. It's mm. tough. Yeah, really tough. Right. So uh, as I said, as it stands at recording time, which is nearly half six on, on Thursday evening, um, the, the game's going ahead. Like I say, you know, when we start doing testing tomorrow, will that change? I hope not, but maybe. But obviously, uh, don't don't just assume that we're going to announce it off at the end of the podcast. You're going to have to look on Twitter and, and the messaging services uh, if there is going to be a change. But as it stands, you know, there's nothing to suggest there will be. Uh, so therefore, those of us who are going down to, to Plymouth, obviously the new rules have come in in terms of, of, of what you need to take to prove that you can go into the game, uh, your you proof of a, of a COVID status. So, you know, the, the, the COVID app uh, or the, the COVID pass that shows you've had your, your two jabs on, on the NHS app, that, that you even need to have that or proof of a negative uh, lateral flow test or a digital or paper certificate uh, of double vaccination. Or, of course, uh, if you're exempt on medical grounds, you can still apply for the NHS uh, covid pass um and, and the details are shared on the charlton website and on on the plymouth website as well um so just make sure if you're planning on traveling to plymouth that you're absolutely all over the detail and i know you know it's not not something that everyone agrees with um so you know but don't don't be that person who goes down finds out you haven't looked at it and then you're not you're not allowed in and then you'll end up moaning on on social media sure but unfortunately that's just going to be the way so the best thing to do is to is to make sure you're fully aware of what of what you need to do before you go there otherwise you're going to have a wasted trip uh it's not i'm a plymouth a lovely town and i do enjoy going down there which is partly of the reason why i don't want it to get called off but you know you don't want to waste your trip there if you don't need one so just make sure you're all over the details before you head down uh a check the game still on b check you've got everything you need to get into the stadium because you don't want to have a day down there that's a complete waste of time right that's enough of that let's i want to talk about football that's the only reason i come on this show um Let's uh, discuss the fact that Johnny Jackson uh, still hasn't got his contract. Uh, asked very briefly uh, about it today, uh, he's still saying the same thing. Basically, let's have a quick listen. Yeah, they're going well. They're going well. I think we're uh, we're moving in the right direction, and I've been saying that all along. But but we are, and uh, hopefully, resolution soon. Positive discussions, uh, as he's always said, Mark. Um, I mean, as, I'm still impatient. Richard said he thought maybe it'll get done this week. Uh, so again, if it happens, it will happen in true Trump lifestyle and be done before uh, or just after, I should say, that the show is recorded. Um, but yeah, still not sorted yet. Are you concerned? Are you just bored of being asked the same question every day? I'm a bit of both, actually. Um, but my concern was was when you saw the minutes last week from the, um, the meeting the Trust had with Thomas and he said, oh, I've spoken to other managers. You're thinking, mm-hmm. okay. You know, maybe that's a pragmatic thing to do because possibly you could have offered Johnny something which he wasn't going to take, and so you're edging your bets. But thinking that's not really putting much faith in the guy who you've put faith in to take over from in a caretaker. Excuse me, caretaker basis. Um, you do tend to find. I mean, I'm not refreshing the feed as, as often as I, as I was waiting for it. I mean, if he still sounds positive, that's a good thing. I suppose there's probably a 10% of the back of my head, um, which is probably going, oh, 
is it not going to happen? And I'm thinking, is that an unnecessary worry to have, you know, on top of everything else? Um, I don't know what's in Thomas's head and why it's been dragging out. I mean, it's funny because you read so many um, people on Twitter who go, oh, I've got a mate in the club who says it's because of this, this and this. And you're just thinking, yeah, of course you do, mate. You know, you're just looking for likes, etc. Um, you know, there's only sort of like two people who know what's going on, and that's Jacko and that's um, Thomas, really. You know, everything else you read is just pure BS. So I'm, I am impatient, but I'm 90% positive. It's just that 10% which nags at you, which keeps you awake and screaming into the darkness that Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank will one day turn up. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm sure that won't be the case. Um, and and as, as as we're saying, it, it sounds like you know it's, it will be positive news at some point. Um, I mean, there has been some leaking, obviously, uh, from the club, uh, and it's come from Thomas Sangard on <laughs> on LinkedIn. Um, Tom, I mean, you sent me this message the other day. Thomas Sangard saying to a fan on LinkedIn, uh, JJ's contract was all agreed a week ago, and then his agent or attorney decided to start playing games. Hope they're done soon. Uh, it's, it's a surprise to read such a message. Not in the slightest. No, not from him. Um, as I said to you on on the WhatsApp, my my surprise was around the the statement itself. I find that very hard to believe. Obviously, you know, if Thomas is saying it, you have to take his word. But it seems very strange that somebody who loves the club like he does is is playing hardball. I would think he's after a deal that he feels he deserves. And but I think yeah, that's... I mean, because we have to remember that's only one side of the story, and also it's yeah. been it's been eked out into the public whether it's a private message or between him and one other person on LinkedIn or not it's still going to get out there obviously exactly and I think look there's a yeah as you say there's two sides to it I think Johnny Jackson will know what a contract at this level is worth and I think he probably yeah uh, he should get what he deserves now whether Thomas agrees with that and whether there really has been issues I don't know I saw Rich reply to somebody today and he says his understanding is that it still should be good news so yeah, if I go back to the question you asked Mark at the start, I am bored of talking about it now because I've been on a lot of consecutive shows and unfortunately we have to talk about it every week and it's just, it is becoming a bit of a farce. But as I said, I think on Sunday's show, you know, Thomas is naive in terms of football ownership and I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way, just that he is new to all of this. I mean, do, do, do I think, you think leaking them or saying that to a fan's naive? Or, or Yeah, I would say, I would say that is because... He, if he doesn't know that's going to get leaked, then that in itself is naive. If he does know it's going to get leaked, I, I don't see what he thinks the benefit is of doing it anyway. Uh, you look at the minutes of the, the forum meeting around the, the ladies team and the fact that that's still happening with that change. You know, again, with all the feedback he's had, that seems a bit a bit strange as well. So, look again, as I said on Sunday, I think overall in terms of his ownership, he's certainly... Uh, in the positives in terms of what he's done for this club. But there's just little things like that, that I just unfortunately don't understand. And one of you two said earlier, we don't know what's going on in Thomas's head. And and this is another example of that really. So it's just another show where I'm saying, hopefully it's done soon because mm. we all expect it to be done uh, and it should be Jacko in charge. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because under Roden, we were asking for a lot more communication, Mark, but I don't know. I don't know if this is entirely the sort of communication uh, that people meant. Like, can you start, giving out details of your negotiation with the manager and say who's holding it up. I don't know. Maybe maybe that is what people want to hear. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Mate, I, I don't know. It's, you know, Thomas has got a way of doing things. I, you know, I get that. But 
you think yourself, would you do that in your pharmaceutical business if you were negotiating something, you know, leak things out and, you know, dawdle around? You know, maybe he's more confident because that's his proper job, as I should say. But it does seem, you know, every time you read a little snippet, you, you do go, oh, mate, all this is going to do is pour fuel on a fire and, you know, people are going to read things into it which probably aren't there or, you know, be a conspiracy theory come out and you know, he's got to, I think bottom line is he's got to realise that the all the goodwill and the um, enthusiasm which are at the club now which have built up since he's taken over slowly and fans coming back and feeling more connected with the club than we did for the past like five years you know how fast he could lose that because if he treats Jacko badly, he brings in some no mark and we lose a couple of games, he's going to find he's not going to want to leave his nice little house in um, Colorado and fly to a game and be abused. Uh, no, and he won't be welcomed down the pub and he won't, we won't be popping in for a selfie. Yeah. But again, I think the risk of that happening is, is very small. I think we, we should highlight that. that oh, it does seem likely that Jacko get the job, but like we say... I'm hugely impatient, like everyone else is. We got an email actually from uh, from Pete uh, Cunningham. It says this ongoing situation with Jacko not getting the manager's job. I have two theories why he hasn't been announced as having the job permanently. Uh, he's got the job already, but uh, he hasn't been told yet, <laughs> um, uh, or maybe he has, and we are all getting played. Uh, maybe Thomas is waiting until Christmas Day or something closer to Christmas to announce it as a Christmas present for the fans. He uh, says, or Jacko virtually has a contract. However, Thomas is aware that the transfer window is coming up. Uh, we have a big squad and lots of very good players uh, with a lot of quality are less likely to get a chance. Some may leave permanently or on loan. Uh, this could impact the team dramatically, leaving the manager with fewer options to make changes, forced by injuries or not. From a business point of view, it makes sense to hold off a bit longer to see what the team is like after the people leave and possibly join before announcing a new permanent manager, uh, whoever it is. Thank you to everyone involved in making the podcast. Wishing you all uh, and uh, your listeners a Merry Christmas. Cheers, Pete. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly believe that the first one, I mean, would be a nice way of doing it, I guess, Tom, you know, as a nice Christmas present. Uh, although, you know, I'm, I'm more than willing to accept an early Christmas present. Um, the second one, I, 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 there's no decision left to be made over who the manager is, or is, as far as I'm concerned. And I think that's probably the case as far as Thomas is concerned anyway. They're just fi- sorting out final details. So I'll be surprised if there's, you know, any, any form of wondering what's going to happen in the transfer window. The only other thing I can think is maybe the two of them have collaborated on some sort of song because uh jacko obviously got his guitar out didn't he during lockdown so maybe it's that and maybe they're going to produce some huge video but uh yeah again i'll say what i said on sunday which is if it's transfer related and transfer window for me you want him in sooner rather than later because there are players waiting to re-sign contracts and we would rather they're signed up pre-january um and there's players that may well want to come in but they might be saying look i want to play under john Johnny Jackson, I've seen what he's doing at your club. And again, until that's over the line, we might not be in a position to say, well, that will be the case. So, yeah, look, I don't know what the reason is either, but it's like you, there is no decision to be made and there hasn't been a decision to be made for a long time. It's just about basically dotting the I's and crossing the T's and, and getting that contract signed as soon as possible. Lovely stuff. Right, let's have a quick break here on the big match preview. When we come back, we shall turn our attention more so uh, to the game with Plymouth. It's that time of the year. 
Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Stockley Charlton Live Welcome back to Charlton Live This is the Big Match Preview I hope you guys are safe and well Um, Looking forward to Christmas as well Don't forget we'll be back on Sunday Whether the game goes ahead or not For our Christmas special Uh, We'll have the quiz We'll have all the sort of fun and games We normally have uh, around Christmas time So don't forget if you want to get involved with that show You can email us studio at charltonlive.co.uk Or you can tweet us at Charlton Live Have your say on anything really uh, coming up to the, the uh, well, I was going to call it the Christmas break, which it may inadvertently been, but the Christmas break for us normal people, um, not not footballers who hopefully will be playing footballers uh, if everything goes well. Obviously due to be playing uh, at Wimbledon uh, on Boxing Day, our uh, our show will take a break uh, as we always do over Christmas. Um, so Sunday will be the last show until we come back in the new year because uh, you know, we are sort of here, there, and everywhere during the Christmas break. So our Christmas special will be the last show of 2021 hopefully we'll have some football to talk about and hopefully it'll be a game uh, against Plymouth that's due to happen at home park on Saturday uh, Johnny Jackson was asked to look ahead to that game uh, a bit of team news in here as well but he was asked if it's been a, a good week on the training ground ahead of the trip down to the uh, the West Country yeah yeah good week of training uh, worked on some tactical stuff uh, big day out on the grass today really done a lot of sort of intensive stuff on Tuesday uh, that's a typical week for us. But obviously we've been quite mindful as well of the schedule that we're just coming out of. Um, so we've had to balance sort of the training that we do with recovery and stuff like that. But yeah, uh, in a good place going towards another tough game coming at the weekend. It goes to show how quickly things can change in football. Obviously it's not long ago since we played Plymouth and they won that brilliant unbeaten run. Um, struggled since the Ryan Lowe, someone you know very well, uh, has gone off to Preston. Have you spoken to, to him since he's, he's moved off? Yeah, we exchanged a few messages just of congratulations really when he, when he got the job. Um, didn't want to pry too much into you know what was happening at, at Plymouth and, um, and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a bit of a change around since we last played them, but. Um, actually, personnel-wise, and, and, and what Shuey's been doing since he's, he's uh, since since Lowy left has been pretty similar, um, very similar personnel and stuff. So, 
Uh, we know all about them. We know the threats that they carry, and they still do. You know, they haven't become a poor team all of a sudden. They're just uh, on a little bit of a bad run, which which is going to happen to every team over a season. But they're still uh, top side. Um, speak about team news now. Obviously, Ryan Innes has been back in training for a week or so. Um, I think he's progressing well. He's going to get some under twenty three minutes into him over the next week or so. Yeah, that's the plan with Ryan. So he's had another good week of training. We'll finish that off tomorrow. And then obviously the group will travel to, to Plymouth, so he'll he'll stay behind and do a little bit more training over the weekend. Uh, and then next week we'll look at getting into minutes of the 23s and try and build him up with a couple of games with them before hopefully being available uh, for selection with person. And we've seen Sam Lavelle and Adam Matthews back on the grass as well this week. Uh, how are they progressing? Really well, really well. Adam's very close now to returning with the group. Um, as is Blackett Taylor, I think they'll be they'll be back with the with the main group within within a few days. Uh, Sam's obviously a little bit more longer term, um, but hopefully we'll have him back with the group uh, early early part of Jan. There we go. I mean, I mean, first of all, Mark, we'll talk about some of that some of that good news on the injury fronts. So obviously, Ryan Innes uh, due to be playing some under twenty threes minutes soon. Corey Blackett Taylor and Adam Matthews both to close to being back with the group and, and Sam Lavelle coming back in early January. I mean, if there is an, an unfortunate COVID break, I mean, we'll be pretty much back to full strength uh, other than maybe Jake Forster-Kasky by the time that we, we come back. Yeah, and I thought Jake was out doing a little light work around the ground as well. So it would it would it really benefits us. Um, it, it's funny, though, because you see Lavelle coming back, you see Innes coming back, and you're thinking, well, hold on a minute, who, who are you going to drop? You know, it's nice to say you can rotate people, and it's, but someone's going to be missing out because you know Pearson and Famo have been have been extraordinary as centre halves, and Claire on the right side of that as as it might not be his preferred position, but he he's really looked like you know he's made it his own over there. So Matthews and Gunter, you know, it kind of struggle almost to get back in. So. It's it's good, and you don't know if someone else is going to pick up an injury, and then at least we've got players to come back. Um, but we do seem, and it might give an opportunity to say maybe send Deji out for the rest of the season on loan somewhere to toughen him up. Even Albie as well, you know, if we if we're going to be fit, I'm not sure on Arter's um, uh, loan um, negotiation thing whether we've got him for the season or it's, he's going to get to January and he might renegotiate go somewhere else where he's going to play because I can't really see him coming in so they might if they think Arthur's going to go keep Morgan around so we've got a bit more depth in the midfield but you know we seem to be over not over, you know, over no we are overflowing in certain positions so hmm. you know it's a good thing to have it's, it's an unusual position for us to be in as well obviously Tom with, with in terms of a squad size now I think we saw there are areas where we do lack sort of decent cover and I think up front is, is fair to say you know Jaden and Connor have been absolutely superb over the last few weeks and Josh Davison who had a decent run in the side earlier on but then when he's had to come in to replace Jaden over the last few weeks hadn't looked as good um, so it, it does show that we are sort of lacking still in some positions but um, you know, one of those as well being the left back or the left wing back position, I think it's still sort of fair to assume. Like Ben Perrington obviously came off Saturday with a dead leg, and it's something he picked up in the first half, and he played on for about an hour. So when you look at that, you'd assume that therefore a week hence he'd, it would sort of wear off and he'd be fine. But that was an area that was slightly lacking, perhaps when when Suarez came on 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 Saturday. Uh, although to be fair to him, he then did go on to get effectively the assist for the second goal as well so it, it, it's, it's funny that we're overloaded in some places and, and not so much in others 
Yeah, and we spoke about Soiree on, on Sunday's show, didn't we? And, and I largely agreed with you. I think you're right. The key areas in terms of where we're short are, are up front and left back. I then think, as you say, we're well stacked in other areas. But again, I come back to a point I made on, I think, Sunday or maybe last Thursday's show, which is when those players come in, can they play to the level of the existing ones? So you look at Dobson, for example, in the, the sort of DM role, You've got someone like a Ben Watson who might come in, but can he do that job to the same level? Aside from that, in the midfield, I do think we're lacking. You know, we have got players like Albie Morgan, but or even Harry Arter. I'm just not sure necessarily whether they can perform the exact role that a Gilby or a Lee is. Same with Kirk on the wing. Not yet have I seen enough from him to be fully convinced. So, Yes, we've got a lot of players and we've got good rotation options, but there's a reason Jacko hasn't been rotating. And I think partly is down to the fact that I think part of Nigel Atkins' downfall was too much rotation, but also partly down to the fact that these players are performing out of their skin. And I'm just slightly concerned that if somebody else comes in, can they get up to that level and, and quickly because they will need to. So, yeah, I think priority has to be striker. Um, I, I love what, what Connor and Jaden are doing, but any any injury, and as you say, we haven't really got anyone, I think a left back, I'd be happy with a loan option uh, or maybe even giving Soiree a chance because maybe he can play his way in. But I would like somebody else in that midfield. And, and as Mark says, depending on the loan situations and, and stuff, I don't think we're necessarily going to see Jake back, certainly not in the meaningful part of this season. Maybe somebody else we can get in there really just to, to shore that up. But um, yeah, we're certainly better stocked than we have been in recent seasons. But that's what you know this, this era is all about under Sangard, isn't it? It's about buying young. It's about getting longer contracts and it's about looking longer than just one season so that aspect of his ownership has certainly been positive so far mm. I mean if the game does go ahead Mark I guess there will be the danger that uh, you know unbeknownst to us currently at time of recording is that we will be players down so that will be a you know, in a horrible horrible way if, if there are players who have to go missing because they've tested positive it might be that chance that you need to take you know Jason Pierce got into this side because Sam Lavelle was injured and he's, he's taken that chance with both hands we're going to hear from Piercy very shortly but th- th- this could be a, a bizarre way for players to get their chance to try and play their way back into the team yeah I mean we've talked about it um, on previous shows and I've said you know they've set the bar so high that players coming in now know they have to you know, Tom says, you know, worries, can they do the same thing? I'm thinking I'd be worried if they couldn't because they're going to be looking at their mates and going, wow, he's playing really out of his skin. I know when I am get a chance, I've got to do everything. This is, we talked about Kirk a few weeks ago and I said he hadn't impressed me when he'd got a chance. And I think, you know, you don't know if he was carrying an injury or a knock. You're thinking, well, there's, there's another two wingers, you know, or three wingers now and he's probably gone to the back of a roundabout. So I think players coming in are going to do that. No, you're not going to get a like for like because you know they're not clones. But something maybe Watson may be slightly better at than Dobson, or you know, and he brings that out a bit more. You know, okay, he's a bit more defensive, and Dobson, you know, it's amazing his speed from you know left left wing to right wing across to cover. But maybe sort of like Watson reads the game slightly better, so he's in better positions to cut balls out. And, and get things going. So, you know, you're going to have pros and cons almost with every player. You know, there's not going to be one perfect player. Um, well, we've not had that since Kermagon. But so any player coming in, I think, is going to really want to grab the opportunity with both hands. And that's why I, I was disappointed when, you know, we talked about Kirk a few weeks ago because I didn't feel he had. 
So I'm 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 positive that because you've got to think the other team as well might be missing you know a, a play here and there. I think as long as you're not losing both your goalkeepers, you, you you're going to be okay. Mm, yeah, well that's a get out clause, of course, because if you have 14 players fit, including the goalkeeper, then you have to play the game. If you don't. Uh, then you don't have to. Uh, I, I guess there's always the opportunity to get Steve Brown out of the uh, the commentary box into in between the sticks. But anyway, let's hear from uh, let's hear from the, the skipper, shall we? Jason Pierce. Obviously, we spoke to him after the game uh, against Cambridge uh, on Saturday. We heard some of that on Sunday's show, but I've saved a little bit for today as well because I asked Pierce uh, about our playoff hopes and and to look ahead to the Plymouth game. So first of all, I've asked him uh, if he still feels like we've got a decent chance of making the top six. Yeah, we want to just keep trying to lucky, obviously, to take each game as it comes and. Uh... Um, as the cliche says, but no, I think um, yeah, we we believe in in the team we've got um, and the squad we've got, like the players that's come in. Um, so we want to just keep on on winning games, um, and and hopefully we'll we will move up slowly, move up the league, and, and by the time we get towards the end of the season, we'll, we'll hopefully be in and around the playoffs. It's unusual that we're playing Plymouth again so soon after playing them here at the Valley, but I guess you you've played them recently, so you know almost what to expect, but they'll, they'll be out for revenge as well. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They will be up for revenge, and they're they're a very good team. So, again, it's another another game. We're gonna have to be right on it um, to get anything out of the game. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be a battle. Um, so, yeah, we'll go there and um, and obviously do our best again. Hopefully, get a positive result. There we go, Piercy. There. Um, yeah, Plymouth certainly will be out for revenge after what we've done to them. <laughs> we'll hear more from Chris Errington in a few moments' time about what we have done to them. But you know, in terms of you know, when, when you've played a team. So recently, Tom, it's always an interesting one to see if that, does, if that will play a part. Not only just revenge, obviously, but just having an idea of their recent tactics and how they're playing. Obviously, it doesn't always you know, go that way. I've seen, I've seen games where you play the same side twice and the result changes completely. There was a, there was a, in non-league, there was a game where Bromley won 8-1 against, I think it was Furrock on uh, Boxing Day, and then they played the reverse fixture on New Year's Day. You know, a week later, having won eight one and lost two one, so it, it doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it will sort of give it a little bit of extra spice, I guess. And and two teams that will feel a little bit more familiar with each other, they'll know how to stop us as much as we'll know how to stop them. Yeah, I think that those last two points are, are probably the ones. Yeah, you you can't really read any more into it, but it does feel very different to have a game so quickly because. You look at the fixture list and you're like, wait, I, th- I think we just played them. If you asked me who we'd played second or third game of the season, probably couldn't remember specifically and we'll find that out in the Christmas quiz next week, I'd imagine. So, uh, yeah, it, it is different. Obviously, they've had the, the managerial change since then and um, I know they've been on a, a little bit of a bad run, which obviously led to that as well. Um, so maybe we, we started that off for them, which they probably won't like us for, but... Yeah, they're still going to, I'm sure, set up slightly differently and they're obviously trying to, to rekindle that form. But as you say, the players on the pitch are going to be very familiar because they were only um, swapping shirts a few weeks ago, weren't they? So, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to play them so quickly after. We showed what we can do at our place and our home record over the last what few months has been formidable. But away from home, it's been a little bit more up and down. We obviously had that slightly off week a few weeks ago. So... That will make it different as well. So, yeah, I don't read too much into that first performance necessarily. I think last season we went there, didn't we, towards the end of the season, absolutely battered them. So it's going to be an interesting one, but they're they're still a very dangerous team, I think. And I feel like this season, unlike the last two where I've been saying we should go into every game and expect to win, I feel like this, this season we are coming up against good sides for the majority of weeks. So it's going to be a difficult game. Mm, yeah, and, and when we look at like the uh, 
the playoff race. You know, I was moaning just a couple of weeks ago that for for the good run we'd been on, we'd only made up a couple of points. Um, you know, from the time that the Adkins had left and Jackson had taken over, it's got got closer again now, Mark. We're within eight points. You know, if, if the game does go ahead Saturday. Uh, then, then we could get to within five points if we beat Plymouth because obviously they sit in sixth place at the moment. So in terms of uh, a season-defining game, it's not necessarily going to define the season completely, but it's got a chance of defining sort of how we feel coming into the turn of the year. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about it a few weeks ago and I'd said I don't think it'll be a revenge thing because they've you know, gone on a bad run anyway. Um, I like Home Park. It's a nice ground. It's, it's it's a good pitch. It suits us. It's big, wide, plenty of space on it, um, and you know their fans make a decent atmosphere. If we lose, you know, are we going to be that far behind? I mean, we're sitting comfortably mid-table now. Um, is it the be-all and end-all? It's not. I don't want to lose. Never want to lose. Um, but I can't see how they're, you know, going to use that as motivation. Oh, you know, we were on such a good run and they beat us. You know, I don't see see how that sort of like works in a professional game as such. I mean, you might have one or two players who had a personal battle with one or two of ours and they might be looking to get a bit of extras or, you know, leave, leave a bit on them, as they say. So that's to be aware of. Um, and if someone, you know, doesn't use his head unwisely we were okay um it's a, it's a strange one you're right you know when you do play them that close can you read anything into the first game it's not really because we've been in such a, a good form we've been steamrolling over teams as it were i mean you know things of Ip- ipswich had probably you know just went and sat in a closet and cried for two days after we beat them and i mean they're still feeling the effects of that last night if you saw the barrow game um so, you know, it's. I think you know, the, the, the mat, if it goes ahead, it will suit us because of just you know the, the pitch and, and everything. And I don't think you need to worry too much about what they're going to do. Mm, certainly. Well, one man who has been worrying about uh, what Plymouth have been doing is, is of course, Chris Errington uh, from the Plymouth Herald, big uh, big friend of the show. He comes on every time we play Argyle, and uh, well, it's obviously only a few weeks since I last spoke to him. Okay, so obviously last time we spoke. Um, Plymouth were flying, uh, Ryan Lowe was doing a brilliant job, uh, then you came to the Valley and it's all gone off the rails since then. Yeah, it's all your fault, Louis. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm surprised I've agreed to uh, have a chat with you again after <laughs> all the things that have gone wrong since uh, we came up to the Valley last time round. Yeah, um, I suppose that's the highs and lows of football, isn't it? One minute you're flying along and everything's going well, and then the next minute it's, uh, it's not and it's all change and... Uh, and what, it was only about four or five weeks ago, wasn't it? It's, it's mm. incredible. Incredible what's happened at Argyle over that, that period of time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously, can, can you put your finger on what, what's happened there? Obviously, Ryan Lowe leaving hasn't helped, but the, the downturn had started before then. Yeah, um, I think coming to Charlton, I, I mean, the, the atmosphere that day was, was great when Argyle came up there, um, you know, a full ground. Um, you could see the Charlton players uh, were desperate to impress the owner, um, in terms of trying to get Johnny Jackson the job. Uh, Ryan Lowe mentioned that um, in his press conference after the game. And it almost felt like, you know, Argyle walked into a bit of a, a tidal wave of sort of emotion and, and everything. And I think any team in League One would have been beaten by Charlton that day. I think it, it was just a, an irresistible force that day. Um, 
They then had back-to-back home games against Wickham and Wigan, two of the top teams in the division. Um, Argyll have struggled against Wickham over the years, as many clubs have, with the way they play and the, the tactics that, that they implement, and they got beaten 3-0 at home park. Then they played Wigan on the, on the Saturday, and it was 1-1 to the 90th minute, and, and they would have been good value for a point, and that would have stopped like that little mini run, um, but then they conceded a, a stoppage time goal and lost that 1-2-1. Um, so that sort of got them on a spin of three straight defeats. Um, they did have an FA Cup win at Rochdale, um, sort of regroup a little bit. Um, but then, as you say, Ryan Lowe left, and they've had two games since then, a 1-1 draw at Milton Keynes and a, a 2-1 defeat at Sunderland. Again, two teams that are near the top of the table. So I suppose the, the crumb of comfort from an Argyle perspective is that although they've had a bad run, they've literally played you know all of the top teams in the division. So... Um, Hopefully, at some point in time, they'll be able to um, to get back on track. Mm. And, and obviously, I mean, it must have came as, as, as a shock when Ryan Lowe announced his departure. Um, and obviously, he's been replaced by, by Stephen Schumacher, who's at the wheel now. I'm sure you've heard a variation of that joke too many times already. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what can you tell us about the, the, new, the new man in charge and, and how he's sort of got his feet under the table so far? I think he's, he's been at the club for a while, hasn't he? Yeah, he, he came to Argyle with Ryan Lowe. They, they, they've been manager and assistant at, at Berry um, and had success there getting a promotion. Um, Stephen Schumacher came down to Argyle with Ryan Lowe. And I think there was a, maybe an expectation that if Ryan Lowe did leave, um, that Stephen Schumacher would, would follow him. But uh, uh, as soon as Argyle got wind of the fact that Ryan Lowe was, was interested and almost certainly going to go to Preston, um, they approached Stephen Schumacher um, offered him a three-and-a-half-year contract, which for someone who's uh, never been a manager before is a, is a big show of faith in him. And um, it was almost as seamless a transition as you can get from one manager leaving to the new manager appoint, being appointed. It was actually on the same afternoon when it when it all, all happened. So it was very seamless. In terms of what to expect, he, the, the playing style won't be any different. Um, he knows all the players. The players know him. Um, so you've taken a, a cog out of the wheel, quite a big cog out of the wheel in terms of Ryan Lowe. But other than that, everything else is the same. And I think that's what Argyle are hoping in the, uh, the short, short to mid term that they can get a, a result or two and then they can sort of get back to performing and playing they were the way they were um, before Ryan Lowe left and they had that little bit of a a tricky one of results. Mm. I mean, are we talking about sort of crumbs of comfort? I mean, obviously they, they mounted some something of a comeback at Sunderland last week. I mean, is there anything in the, in the performances that you've seen in the last couple, perhaps, that suggests they might be able to get back on track? Well, they, they came from behind against Milton Keynes Dons when they drew 1-1 up there, and that's not an easy place to go to. So they showed a bit of character to, to come back in that game. And they were 2-0 down after 15 minutes against Sunderland, and Honestly, it looked like they were going to get beaten five or six. I and mean, Sunderland were very impressive. Um, you know, watch out for them. I, I, I thought they were superb, <laughs> particularly in the first half. They, they absolutely destroyed Argyle. The, the comfort is is that Argyle dug in um, and could, could on another day, have, have come back to draw the game. So um, there's a bit of fighting spirit there. They've gone behind to Milton Keynes, they've gone behind to Sunderland, and they've made a good fight of it. Of course, they've only got one point from those two games and that they'll need to get back to, to winning ways uh, sooner rather than later, if possible. Um, so, it's the same players that perform well earlier in the season. It's a similar playing style. That, like, as any team finds when they're on a little bit of a bad run, you just need to be able to grind out a win from somewhere. 
and just get that little bit of confidence. So um, I'm sure they'll be um, looking to do that on Saturday. Yeah, and um, just finally, then obviously it's a, it's an ever changing situation. So anything we say here could be out of date by the time we've even recorded <laughs> the podcast. But in terms of a squad, uh, are Plymouth looking okay in terms of cases and injuries at the moment? Yeah, not aware of any of any COVID cases. Um, although, as you say, Louis, you know things are going to be pretty flexible by the by the looks of it, with with new rules being uh, implemented by the EFL and clubs having to carry out much more stringent testing. So, we'll see how how that goes. Um, but nothing that I'm aware of as we as we speak now. Um, and then in terms of uh, injuries, the main one for Argyle is Connor Grant, the left wing back. He's um, got five goals this season. He's their third top scorer. He missed the game up at Sunderland because of a pelvic problem, and they're um, hoping, but uh, not giving too much about away about whether he'll be back on Saturday to play the left wing wing back role. Um, other than that, they've had a couple of players come back from long term injuries that have been on the bench um, for the last couple of games. A striker, Niall Ennis, and uh, defender James Bolton might be back as well. So a couple of long term players are back, but they uh, would would be on the bench rather than starting against Charlton on Saturday. Yeah, thanks, as always, to Chris for, for coming on and, and explaining to us what's gone wrong <laughs> with Plymouth. I mean, I mean, it must be a massive shock to the system when, when you have a successful manager uh, in Ryan Lowe who all of a sudden just up sticks and, and leaves, off he goes to Preston North End. Um, it's, it's not what you want. Um, and obviously the fact that we'd ended their run a few games before that, you'd think, I mean, Chris jokingly sort of blamed us for it at the start, but I wonder if that will be at the back of their mind, Tom. Like, they they need they need a little pick-me-up pick, pick me up now because they've gone, uh, you know, winless since uh, since we um, since we we beat them in the league. Obviously, they won that, that game at Rochdale in the FA Cup. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was saying. There's been that, that period of disruption for them in terms of the manager, in terms of the results. And it does feel like the result against us sort of was not necessarily the catalyst, but that's sort of when things started to change. So, yeah, obviously they're looking to kind of get their season back on track and start picking up results again because they had started the season very, very well. Uh, but they're coming up against a, a Charlton side that are obviously in, in excellent form and, and off the back of a week where we took six points at home. So, yeah, it's, I think, going to be quite an exciting game. Um, as I say, the the game we had against them at home was a was a good result, but could have gone either way in large parts of that game. Uh, the game, as I said, at the back of the end of last season when we smashed them uh, and and scored a lot of goals. So you would hope for something similar and, and something entertaining. But um, yeah, they want to get back on track and we obviously want to keep our run going. And because of where they are in the league, if we do get the win, it's obviously a almost like six six points forward towards those playoff places as well. So it's a huge game for, for both teams because they're obviously trying to keep that cushion uh, in those those playoff spots. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. Unless, of course, again, this has been called off by the time we're listening to this. Yeah, yeah it does feel like one of the most pointless podcasts I've ever done. I mean, three more Premier League games have just gone in the last few minutes. But um, the, the, when they came to the the Valley earlier on in the season, Mark, you know, we're all saying just because they're on such a good run doesn't mean they're, they're, they're completely unbeatable. Well, now just because they're on a bad run doesn't mean they've turned into bad players. You know, they did go 16 games unbeaten in this division. We can't forget that. Yeah, they're not suddenly becoming bad players, but confidence, as we know, plays a big part in, in the game and their confidence must be knocked, you know, partly due to us, partly because the other teams have beaten them. And so sometimes it only takes one thing to turn it around. So I, I don't see 
you know, like I say, I, I can't see them going, right, this is a real blood and guts. We're going to get it back. We're going to get it back. Because it, it's not, if it was at the end of a season and something hinged on it, I, I'd get it. But, you know, it's not. It's coming up to Christmas. We don't know if the games are going to go on. It could be the last game they play for a couple of weeks. They might be looking forward to a break anyway. You don't know where their head's at mentally. So, you know, like I said, I'm just going to repeat myself. I, I don't think they've got stuff to worry us about because I think we've got enough now in our armoury to um, cause teams trouble and cause teams problems. And we're, we're full of confidence. You know, we're, we've, you've only got to look at the way we've played recently. I mean, when we play Cambridge... You know, they were a good side, and, and like I said, we st- we still kept attacking up until the you know the eighth minute, and when we got our you know second one, we were still going for it. There was no reticence, and the team's working hard, the team's working smart. So you know, if if we go there with the right, you know, we always say a positive mental attitude. You know, we should be travelling back up with three points. Excellent stuff. Right, let's check in with another team that's been working hard. The Charlton Athletic women's team uh, got a five 0 win at Watford in the Continental uh, League Cup uh, group stages, uh, the final group stage game last night. So they end up finishing second in their group. Uh, They've got to play a bit of a waiting game to see if they're one of the best-placed second finishers uh, to and therefore go through to the next round. So we don't know whether they're through or not yet, but they did end in style, a 5-0 win uh, away at Watford, who they had already beaten 4-0 in the championship as well, away from home. So 9-0 on aggregate uh, against Watford, who uh, obviously aren't up to our standards. Uh, It was uh, a brace uh, from Ella Rutherford, uh, Mia Ross and Alicia Salola, uh, on the uh, score sheet as well as an own goal as well. So uh, an- another win uh, for Karen Hill's side. Let's have a quick hear, uh, listen uh, to the post-match thoughts of Karen Hill's and the double score uh, goal scorer Ella Rutherford. Yeah, dominant performance. Pleased to get some players on the pitch to get some extra minutes as well. But no, overall, it was a very dominant performance and, and pleased with the result. Um, yeah, it was really good. I think it was a dominant performance from us all. Um, you know, we looked to come here and work on things that we've been working on in the last few weeks, and I think it's really paid off. Um, it shows, obviously, scoring five goals. But, um, yeah, I mean, could have got a few more, but but we're happy with the performance today. Yeah. I could have definitely had a few more as well. Um, I thought we, we was very dominant from, from minute one. It took us a little bit of time, I think it was like 20 odd minutes before we scored the first goal. But then once that, that came, I think we was yeah, we was fully in control of the game. Um, credit to Watford, they stuck with it and tried to, to play as, as best they could, but I thought we overall we um was worthy winning. Win no, us. yeah, goal's a goal. Um so yeah, both both shots were just hard and low I guess. Um but it you know it's a good I always want to get on the score sheet. Um so yeah, it's positive for me today. And focus now turns to Sunday, the big game against Julian. Yeah, it's the FA Cup game. Um, anything can happen within that game. Like I said in my previous interview, like Gillingham are, are always going to be a tough opposition. You can only play what's in front of you, and we won't be taking them lightly. Uh, so we'll be going into that game fully prepared as we as we are in every single game. Um, I'm hoping to put our name into the next round, which will hopefully be against Plymouth for away. There we go. Excellent. Result for the women's team. They'll be on to uh, play in Gillingham in the FA Cup on Sunday, hopefully, uh, again, if, if the game goes ahead. They were due to be playing Liverpool originally uh, on Sunday, but they the game with Gillingham last weekend got called off because of a waterlogged pitch, so now they're fitting in that Gillingham game this Sunday and the Liverpool trip uh, will be rearranged for the new year. So, right, we're just down to the last uh, few minutes of the pod Tom, um, you know, we've, we've already spoken about the danger of the game getting called off. 
Um, but if it doesn't, and assuming we go into our Christmas period absolutely flying, I mean, I saw someone put an interesting tweet. So say we somehow muddle our way through and get a load of games in when other teams don't. All of a sudden, I mean, that could genuinely be a major benefit for us if if we somehow get away with that. Yeah, exactly. And I think either way, as we've already said, there are going to be games called off. There already have been games called off. So some teams are going to end up playing more than others. And you'd imagine in, what, two, three weeks' time, certainly that first week in the new year, that you're suddenly going to see a real discrepancy in games played across the league. And as you say, if we come out on the right side of that, it could be very, very interesting because suddenly you're up in, I don't know, seventh or eighth place, a couple of points off the playoffs. And Yes, the team ahead have got three games in hand, but there's no guarantee that they'll win those and, and the pressure's on. So, look, that's only one scenario. We're just going to have to see what happens and take each game as it comes. We've got, I think, is it three games left this season with the, the Wimbledon on Boxing Day and then Gillingham, isn't it, between uh, Christmas and New Year? So, who knows? If we came out of that with three games have played and six to nine points, then obviously we'd be in a very good place. But I think if we're all being honest, the chances of that are slim. Um, and we just have to focus on, on Saturday's game, which, as we've said all show, hopefully is going ahead and is at the time of recording. So if we come out of that into Sunday's show off the back of three points, then I'll be more than happy. And, and what happens after that happens. Excellent stuff. Well, as I said earlier on, uh, we will be back on Sunday, no matter what happens, because I've got a quiz written uh, already for the chaps to uh, to pit their wits against each other. Uh, so we'll have our traditional Christmas fun and games at the end of the year, no matter what happens uh, between now and Sunday. So if there is a game, obviously we'll look back at the Plymouth game. If there isn't, we'll just have some fun and look back at the season so far. Right, thanks to those of you who've tuned in uh, to this week's Big Match Preview, which we're hoping is a Big Match Preview. Um, Thank you to Mark and to Tom for joining me. Cheers, Cheers, mate. Good to speak to all of you. I'm Louis Mendes. Hopefully I'll see you down at Plymouth. If not, look after yourselves and we'll see you uh, in the new year. But we'll be back definitely on Sunday uh, with a podcast. We look forward to speaking to you then. See you later. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.